morning, new season. How's it going? Good morning, new season. How's it going? Well, you're welcome to be seated. I just wanted to give you a warm welcome from our lead pastors, Pastor Sam and Eva Rodriguez. They love you guys, and I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. I also just wanted to thank really quick the campus pastors of this house in L.A. Downey, Pastor Charlie and Ben Rivera. How many of you have the best campus pastors ever? Give me, give me a little. Yeah. You guys have gems right here, and it's so, I'm just so excited to see the fruit, and they, you guys are a direct reflection of you guys, and so I love being here because it's so warm and inviting. Um, I just have to say, I'm a mom of four, and last night I slept in a hotel room by myself. Can I get an amen? Can I get a praise the Lord? Yeah, so I work with 131 teenagers. I'm a high school teacher. I have four children. I've been married for 10 years. And no one last night asked anything of me. It was the best. I went to downtown Disney by myself with a friend, but, like, with no children. I got to do whatever I wanted. Oh, I saved so much money, number one. Number two, I had so much fun. Anyone, can I get any moms in here? Amen. Amen. I actually called my husband this morning. Because I felt a little guilty and I said, maybe you should also have a work trip so you can be alone. He's like, not if you don't join me. I was like, okay. Um, anyways, I'm so excited to be here. And we're, it's cool because I came at the beginning of the series, right? Fresh anointing. How many of you were here for that? And so it's so exciting. Sorry, I think I'm fighting something. But it's so exciting to come at the end. We're ending with new wine. How many of you guys have been enjoy enjoying the series? It's been so good. And new wine is such a great concept to dive into right before the new year. Because as many of us, like me too, the new year comes and it's almost like a reset, right? A reset of your mind, your, your spirit. Some of us reset of our personality. Um, but sometimes we look at ourselves and we're like, last year was a little rough. And I, I want to take December and January as kind of a reset. And what a great way to start that when the, diving into the idea of new wine. So let's talk about it a little bit. If you have your Bibles with you, I would love for you to open up to Ephesians 4.17. So today my, my sermon is titled, The New Life. When we look at this passage in the ESV version, this chapter is actually titled, The New Life. And it reads like this. I'm going to go fast. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. Now, the rest of the chapter, all the way 25 to 32, talks about what kind of person is 
one that functions out of that old life and what kind of person is the person that functions out of the new life. Now when we talk about new life here, we are talking about several different layers of this. Because number one, new life comes with salvation. And so if you have spoken with the Lord, spoken with the Spirit, and you said, you know what, I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to be filled with Jesus. And I believe in you. I believe that your son died on the cross. I believe there are three parts to you, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to be saved, that you are saved. And that is salvation. And then we're talking about you have that old version of you. We all know that old version of us, right? The one before Jesus. Even if you grew up in a Christian home, everybody, every human has a turning point in their life where they go from, I know Jesus, I am full of Jesus. And that is salvation. That is that turning point. So everybody in here, even if you grew up in the, home, in the church, has that old man, new man. Now, that's great and all, but for today, we're going to talk a little deeper into the old man and new man because our men, who we are, our vessels, change in seasons. There are rhythms. And just like we, because we are human, we are sin-filled creatures, and there will be times that we make mistakes or we are in a season where we're tired, where we're lazy, where we're discouraged, and there's going to be moments where we need to take that old self off and move to a new self. Are we tracking? So there is salvation, and that is great. But we're going to do a little deeper because understanding, if you've already been saved, that's great. That's not the last time you will have an old self. Okay? So I want you to understand, and when we dive into this, I want you to understand that is what I'm referring to. Let's keep going. Now, something that just jumped at me, verse 21. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus... Verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs, repeat after me, belongs to your former manner of life. It does not belong to you. You know, a lot of times we talk about how Jesus takes our shame. But we don't really see it. I'm a visual learner. And when you use that word belong, I can physically see an actual tangible version of me that is full of shame. And I can see Jesus just taking that and saying, this doesn't even physically belong to you. I am taking it away from you and you can't get it again. Do we understand? Because when I looked at Hebrew when I looked at that word belong. And in Hebrew, the word belong means to be owned by or be in possession of. My old self, who I took off when I made that mistake, that version of me isn't mine anymore. That means I can't talk about it. That means I can't look at it. That means that you can't allow other people to bring it up. If you are surrounded by people who only know you by your old self, it's time to move on. It's very hard to walk in a new, as a new creature and a new being when you're surrounded by people who are talking about the old version of you. They don't even know you anymore. See, a lot of times we, are, we hold on to relationship dynamics. We hold on to friendships because, I mean, it's from my old days. It's nice to relive it sometimes, which I get what you're saying. But no, biblically speaking, it's time for you to move on. Take yourself physically out of the old things. Do not surround yourself with the old things because guess what? It's very easy and it's very comfortable to go right back to those old things. If you've done the work to be the new thing, 
then do not do yourself a disservice by hanging out and smelling like those of the old ways. Because let me tell you, even if you're not doing those things anymore, you put yourself physically in that space, everything around you, that's what you're going to come out smelling like. So whether it's you're consuming it or whether it's who you are anymore, that's not what we're asking. By association, you've now given your spirit exposure to it. Does that make sense? Let's look at this. Salvation, repentance, an active relationship will result in a new man. See, sometimes we overcomplicate it. We want a ceremony. You know, we, we stopped doing X, Y, and Z. Our marriage went through it. We got some therapy. We connected with our pastors. And we're, we're on the other side. And now I want a ceremony. I want to go on the stage and I want the old version of my marriage to be over there. And I want to be knighted and I want to walk out in this new. That's not the way this works. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes after years you're going to look back and say, oh my gosh, have I changed. With God's grace and purpose and direction and with constant repentance, you can look back and say, that's not me anymore. That's not my marriage anymore. That's not who I was anymore. I don't even recognize that person anymore, which is good because that person doesn't even belong to you. Scripture says it does not belong to you. Your old self does not belong to you. And so you're asking yourself, how do I do this? And I'm being super vague, but let me be specific. You're addicted to pornography, you can stop. You can connect with an other men in this house. You can get accountability. You can go to therapy. You can go to rehab. You can come out of it. That is your new man. The man that is now sober from that. That is the new man. Does that make sense? Let me be specific. You have girlfriends that bring you back to the old nights. The old nights of drinking and getting drunk and that was the way you had fun. Now you step out of that and you say, you know, we're going to hang out during the day. We're going to get some brunch and we're going to get some coffee and we're not going to be go out at night because I've put boundaries. This is your new man. Does that make sense? And so I don't want to be spiritually vague. Let's be real specific. Humans have needs, and there are things we do, and there are things we don't do. And the Bible is a guide to help us understand those things. See, new wine, this idea of new wine, is a prophetic theme for the Holy Spirit. How do we know this? Well, in the Bible, the idea of wineskin is brought up over and over again as the, as the assumption or the use of a vessel. Now, a vessel is used in the Bible all the time to talk about humans, Christians, right? We are a vessel get that gets spilled. We pour out, right? We've heard these things before. So for Christians, there is an actual old man and new man in a tangible vessel form. Let's talk about the difference. In your old wineskin, what does that mean? See, in the Bible, we were very incredibly metaphorical. Because just like now, storytelling is power, right? And so how do you describe to people? How do you describe salvation? How do you describe God filling with purpose and spirit, man? Well, you use the idea of a vessel. And in these times, we talk about the wineskin. Wineskin was key culturally. Wine was key culturally. So if you t use a wineskin analogy, they're going to understand what you're saying. And what we're saying is that in those times, there was wine that was put in wineskin. And what, was ha what would happen is the older the wine, just like now, the better it tasted. And they wouldn't put it in these wineskins. They would tie it and hold on to it, right? 
Well, when you make new wine, does new wine taste good? Yeah, we don't know that. We don't drink. <laughs> does new wine taste good? No. It's gross. It's bitter and it's rancid, right? And so that happened biblically too. There would be wine presses. They would make wine and they would need new wineskins that would be able to expand and contract when the wine was developing in it. So you can't put new wine skin in old, I mean, new wine in old wine skin because it would burst and it would break. Because as wine develops, it becomes stronger and it breathes and it releases and it needs a space for it to do that. So if you try to take new wine and put it in an old place, it's just not going to work. And it's the same thing with our spirit man. If you take the new version of yourself and you place yourself in the old things, it's just not going to work. Something's going to break. Your new friends aren't going to understand this version of you. You know, if you used to have the girlfriends that when you guys hung out, you would talk about your husband and you're working on your marriage, guess what? You have to physically take yourself out of that skin and go over to something new, something fresh, something that can expand. And now you're hanging out with the women of new season. What we're doing, we are exalting our husbands. We are praising them. We are talking about forgiveness and grace. Are we tracking? All right. See, the old man represents the life we had before conversion, and the new man is the new vessel. In that life, that comes this life becomes of a conversion. But if we take the expansive and dynamic new wine, and we attempt to put that in our old life, we can be sure that we will have a disaster on our hands. Our old lives, our old ways are entirely incompatible with new wine. The new wine requires change, expansion, and steady improvement. While in the old life, there was no real desire or maybe even an ability to change. Sometimes in your old self, you didn't even know that you were killing yourself. Remember that new wine is tied to the blood of Passover, the new covenant, the recipe of God's spirit, and the spiritual result that will be produced by all of those powerful factors. Trying to cram all of that into a person who is unwilling to change will invariably result in this coming apart at the seams. The precious new wine is spilled on the ground and dreadfully wasted. Can you imagine if you do the work, if you go to the therapy, if you come to church consistently, you're doing, you're tithing, you're serving, you're leading, and it's great, but you're going home to old wine. What you're doing is wasting your time. You're wasting that precious content that God is giving you. You're literally throwing it away. So make sure what you have, that skin that you're in, that wine skin, metaphorically, is ready for you different for you, new for you. New wine in the Old Testament is used when they talk about the promised land over and over in scripture. New wine in the New Testament is spoken about literally in parables. Let's look at Luke 5, 36. He also told them in a parable, no one tears a piece from a new garment and put it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskin. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled. This isn't me. This is the Bible. And the skins will be destroyed. 
but the new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. In Hebrew, the word translates new wine. It means freshly pressed, squeezed, expelled, and trotted out. The grapes have come through the wine press where they have been crushed, and then people have trotted them underfoot. How many of us have been there? I'm describing wine, but when I said those words, you're like, that's been me. I've been trotted. I've been crushed. People have put me under their foot. I have good news for you. That wine is a result of pressure. The only way to get this good stuff, biblically speaking, wine wasn't used in the way we use it now. This was a part of life. This was nutrient-filled. This was for your heart pressure. This was literal, this was medicine. Wine was used every single day, and it was used to take care of yourself. That good stuff isn't created just because. It's created when you've been trotted and when you've been trotted, pushed underfoot. See, people thought they were stomping on you. And all they were doing was creating new wine. This is the perspective we have to have when those hard things come to play. When we feel like we're being pushed down or defeated. When we feel like in this new life we're being talked about. Where we're being excluded. It sucks when this new version of you doesn't fit in with the old way of doing things. Of course you're going to be excluded. Of course they're going to talk about you. That cheese man on Facebook is going to be about you. Why? Why is that? Because you don't belong there anymore. And the best part about it is with all of these things what comes from this is a new version of you and a new wine coming out of you. See, point number two, new wine is a sign of abundance that's to come. Read with me, or don't read with me, yeah. In the Bible, it says, he will give rain for your land in its seasons, the early rain and the later rain, that you may gather your grain, your wine, and your oil. Amos 9.13 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes who sows the seed, the mountains shall drip sweet wine. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measured, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Wine is a sign of abundance. It's not just me saying it. Whenever God talks about giving a blessing, he uses it in references of giving you an abundance of wine. And if here we know that in, Bible, in biblical terms we're talking metaphorically, if wine means health, if wine means blessing, if wine in this time is a sign of money and wealth and comfort, that means that what God is giving to you is a sign of health, money, and comfort. If God says, when I bless you, a sign that I'm using is that you have an abundance of wine, does he literally mean that? No. What he's saying is he is going to give you an overwhelming amount of wine, of presence. If we go back, the theme of wine is always synonymous with the Holy Spirit. And even if you're not going to get much from it, 
We as Christians have to get to a point where it's okay if wine doesn't mean finances. It's okay if wine doesn't mean blessing. It's okay and if this situation, wine doesn't mean a new job promotion or a healthy family. What you really want is the presence of God. If what we're talking about here is that every time in the Bible it says wine is coming upon you and through you and over you, it's a result of abundance. It means abundance. That means an abundance of the presence of God. And let me tell you, as Christians, more than anything, more than how we're feeling in our selfish emotions, more than wanting to up, 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 what we should be desperate for and wanting is the presence of God. And God is saying if you feel trotted, if you feel underfoot, if you feel people have stepped on you, get ready because a result of that is that you will be filled with my presence in a way that is abundant and overflowing. Romans 8, 1 through 8 talks about life in the spirit. Because what happens is we're talking about new life and we're talking about that new life being new wineskin. And we're talking about wine. We're talking about what goes in the wineskin. But what happens when you have the new wine in the new wineskin? You are now living a life full of the spirit. That's where, that is the goal. That is what we benefit from. Romans 8, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set you free. When you have new wine in your new wineskin, you are free. You are free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, that's us, set their minds on things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Imagine a life in which God says, you've pleased me. Imagine constantly adjusting yourself, constantly repenting, constantly being in his grace, constantly understanding that the hard things in life means that you're in the middle of a wine press. You're going to come out new wine, constantly being filled with new presence. And at the end of it all, God just says, man, you just really pleased me. Salvation, yes, he wants to hang out with you. He wants you to be in glory with him 100%. But there is going to be a question that some people forget about because salvation is good, but it's not enough. There's going to be a question when you get up there and it's, he's going to say, so what did you do with what I gave you? And can you imagine if his response is, what you did with it, it pleased me. Now, does that mean you have to be a pastor or a missionary? No. That means you can be a really good mom. You can be a really good wife. You can be a really good teacher. And when I say really good, I don't mean the world's version of good. I mean a spirit-filled, Holy Ghost version of a mom and a wife and a teacher. It's okay to please God in whatever you are currently 
doing? Can you imagine a social worker who pleases God? What does that look like for you? That means coming in a little early and praying that the Holy Spirit of God come into this room that you know will be filled with trauma-filled victim in about 10 minutes. That means as a teacher, when a student comes to me with a problem, instead of pointing them to the drama or the chisme of it, saying, well, what is God saying to you? And how can I make you look more like Jesus through whatever you do next? That is what God is looking for. He's looking for people that at the end of the day, he just says, I'm pleased with you. You weren't asking me for too much. You weren't asking me for too little. You weren't trying to revolutionize whatever, whatever, whatever. You were pleasing me in whatever it is that you did. This is my last point for us today. New wine gives us joy. Jeremiah 28, gladness and joy have been taken away from the fruitful land of Moab. I have made the wine cease from the wine press. No one treads them with shouts of joy. The shouting is not the shout of joy. When God removes gladness and joy, that means that there is no wine. Psalms 104.13.5, for your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and the plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man. Are we talking about the wine we know? Metaphorically speaking, can you imagine that the spirit of God is what gave you joy? There is a joy that the earth brings, and it's good, it's sharp, and incredibly temporary, and always comes at a cost. But the joy that the Lord brings, the joy that the Spirit brings, the joy that comes as a result of new wine is something that is everlasting and doesn't cost you, it actually gives you. It gives you peace and joy. How many of us, through hard things, when we are being trodden on, can still find moments of joy? I've been in situations where there is no way I can be joyful unless it was 100% spirit-filled. That is the joy of the Lord we're referring to here. When he puts you through the wine press, when you are trodden on and underfoot, what comes out of that is new wine. Pressure creates wine. Wine means you're full of the presence of God. And if you're full of the presence of God and you place yourself in a new wineskin, then guess what? You please him. And when you please him, you get to live life. It doesn't say a good life, a fruitful life, abundant life. It says you get to live life. We don't realize very often that life in itself is a gift. Because you get to choose to glorify God through it. Life is hard. Sin came in for sure. But when you're given life, it's a gift. And the gift is not that you get to live a happy life. I don't care about your happiness. God, he likes that you're happy. That's not the point. He wants your life to give him glory. Period. He wants you to please him. Period. Even if that means the hard things. That means saying yes to the hard things. But he wants you to give him glory. He is selfish. He wants you to live your life that all the time people are like, my goodness, God must be on this person because he's just constantly, even when they're sinning, they repent and they come back. 
constant glory. Even when they make mistakes, they repent, they come back, constant glory. Even all the good things that come their way, they're just full of gratitude and grace, constant glory. That is actually the purpose of your life. I tell my 16-year-olds all the time when they ask me, I just, I don't understand what like this whole purpose thing is. What's the purpose for my life? What am I supposed to do? It's so easy and I, I'm sad that it's not easily understood. It's right here. Your purpose in life is to please God. And so if you don't know how to do that, God will make a way. What's the next best thing? Get an A on your exam. Do not cheat. Get into a good college. Do not sleep with your high school boyfriend. Remain pure. Stay holy. Get into a good college. Go and get your graduate studies. Become a, a lawyer and please God through that. How do I please God? Do I have to sacrifice everything and just, you know, no. Please God with who you are. Please God, what your purpose is to make good decisions, to strive for holiness, to strive for integrity, to strive to please God. That is your purpose. God, why am I here? To please God, what is the very best next thing I can do to please God? And when hard things come, that should be our thought process. When I went through a hard thing and I told my therapist, I don't know what to do. She said, do the very best next thing from the next five minutes. And if you do that every five minutes, okay, what's the next best thing now? And the best next thing now, guess what? It's been a year. It's been two years. It's been five years. It's been ten years. And you've been doing the next best thing. And it's the same thing in this. What's my purpose in life? I have no direction. Am I supposed to, is the only way to heaven to be a pastor? Is that the only purpose? No, it's a great way. And I love this way. But there, everything you're doing. And now I'm just a stay-at-home mom. My God. That can please God. I just washed dishes all day. You have no idea the kind of worship it takes to wash some dishes. I just do laundry all day. Worship. When you give the time of laundry to God, you want to know what you're doing? You're serving your home. You want to know what Jesus did? He served his people. Mothers that stay home, you are in service. And that pleases God. You work, turn it to please God. James 4.10, number six, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Clean your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Let your mourning be turned to laughter and your gloom to joy. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. This idea of a wineskin, this new vessel, it's possible. It can mean salvation for you. If you're in this room and you've never come to Jesus, you've never had a moment where you're like, I'm a sinner, I need God, 
I need his direction. Not only am I a sinner, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he's coming again to save me. I believe I could spend a life with him if I turn my life to him. That's step one. But if you've already done that, and you're just in life, and life gets hard, we do things to ourselves that make life hard. And you need a moment to give this to God and to say, I need something new. That's this. Now, once that's done, it's the new wine. The new wine is only created with pressure. I can only have my children if I would have labored. The pressure that comes with pushing a baby out, pressure. Pressure creates new wine. New wine is the presence of God within you. And when you have the presence of God in this new wine skin, you just please God. And when you're pleasing God, that's when the joy comes. That's what I want for us today, New Season. So if you can all stand and join with me in praying. Holy Spirit, we just lift up to you, God, this day. God, first, all of those who have never had your salvation, I pray in Jesus' name that they recognize that they are sinners and that they need you, that your son died on the cross for them, and that moving forward, they are now saved and get to be with you. For everybody in the room that just need new wineskin, a new vessel, their old one is getting kind of ratted. It's breaking apart. The seams are kind of bursting. I pray right now for new wineskin, new season, a new season, a new vessel, renewed strength, renewed energy, renewed time, renewed joy, God. I pray for a renewal of that outside vessel, God. I pray that they would forget the old, that they understand that it doesn't even belong to them, that they're able to just let it go and then keep moving forward, God. I pray right now for the new wine. I pray in this season there would be new wine, a renewal of your presence, a renewal of your Holy Spirit, that it would drip down and it would be sweet and nutrient filled and it would keep us strong and healthy and full of your presence, God, that we would then be able to be a pleasure to you. God, I pray right now for joy. I pray that you fill this room with joy, that joy be the answer to a wine press to a process that joy be the outcome of pressure I thank you God because you do all this in your goodness thank you Holy Spirit in your name God